Welcome to another edition of the Happy Hour Podcast. My name is Trey Lyle. Joining me this week, as always, is Dalton Hopkins. And filling in, I guess, for Michael Massey, it's a, it's a, it's a rotation each week. But now it is Brian Nolan's turn to fill in. All of us from FrontStretch.com. But the first time a non-FrontStretch guest joins the podcast. So I guess that's it. Congratulations are in order, John, as we have John Newby from heavy on sports at John newbie underscore on Twitter, John, welcome. And you know, once this podcast reaches the heights, it's supposed to, you're going to be, you know, a marked man for life. So uh, welcome in and uh, thanks so much for joining us. I am anticipating that level of infamy and I cannot wait for it to happen. <laughs> that is a good way to put it. Good way to put it. Dalton, uh, what do we have on the docket for us uh, tonight? Well, we're going to torture John for quite a little bit, uh, the entirety of the episode. I think that's that's uh, first and foremost, but uh, thank you, John, for coming on uh, also as well. But we're going to get started with uh, the topic that he brought up. We're going to start with, uh, was William Byron, his comeback this past weekend, was that the most impressive comeback that we have seen in recent history in NASCAR? And it's a pretty decent question because that's a, that's a pretty reasonable question, honestly, uh, to bring up. And then we're going to talk about, uh, of course, we're going to talk about the uh, what everyone's talking about, the big fight, Noah Gregson. Is he justified in confronting Ross Chastain? Did it have to get physical? And how about that right hook by Ross Chastain? Something out of a UFC fight. And then we're going to move on to uh, the topic of should the championship race be at Kansas Speedway after what was a phenomenal race? This past weekend, probably the best of the year, probably the best in Kansas history, period. And then finally, we're going to talk about did NASCAR get that perfect race that was needed to go head to head with Formula One? We're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about a little bit about uh, NASCAR versus Formula One uh, for all you F1 fans out there. And then a, little bit, a couple of side topics. We're going to talk a little bit about the NASCAR 75 drivers list was one of our side topics. Stay tuned for that. To be on the front stretch youtube page so make sure you subscribe to that subscribe wherever you get the podcast all you gotta do is search front stretch wherever you get the podcast that will connect you with us as well as brian nolan's podcast ironically having dalton hopkins on this week for as well as a conversation between luke and glover and john wood that's a fun conversation for you later in the week but let's dive into this so if you're not driving of course Sit back, relax, open up a cold one or whatever beverage of your choice. Or if you're driving, please be safe and enjoy some conversation we're about to have. John, as our guest, you get to go first because we are proper gentlemen here sometimes. Uh, what well, would you like debatable. to uh, talk about? That's why I said sometimes, folks. <laughs> what, what would you like to talk about uh, when it comes to William Byron? So here's the thing. There have been no shortage of cool comebacks in NASCAR history. I mean... Obviously, like Dale Sr. at Charlotte in 93, where he gets all those penalties, and then he still comes back. And then same with, you know, at Talladega, when he came back from, what, 17th to first place in four laps. And even looking back at 2021, when Kyle Larson had to replace a battery in stage two at the Roval, he still came back and won. And instead of being eliminated, he went on to go win his championship. Those are all equally impressive to me, but I'm still kind of in awe and a how bad William Byron's car was at the early stages of the race. And then the fact that he got a penalty, he hit the wall multiple times and then he still came back and had an opportunity to win late. Like that. I don't know how you do that going from three laps down, especially with multiple other drivers that were a lap down as well and ahead of him in the free pass position, but they just kept going and going and going and still managed to finish third. I don't know if that's a testament to how the chaotic the race was near the end, 
when we had that many cautions or if it's a testament to how good William Byron's pit crew is or how mm-hmm. good that team is as a whole. Um, look, I, I don't care who you are coming back from. What, what was it? Three laps down. Was he three laps yeah. down? Yeah. According okay. to, well, according to NASCAR, was two. two. I've heard to William, two. Three. Okay. I've heard two and three and forgive me. I should know, but I, I don't. So uh, admittedly, but I, I don't care who you are. I think if you come back from whether it be two laps down, three laps down, if you come back from that and still finish in the top five and even, as much as having a shot at actually winning the race, mm-hmm. that's damn impressive. And I think that goes to show, you know, you could argue, okay, well, it's not really in the driver's hands. It's maybe uh, just William Byron just driving a Hendrick Motorsports car. I think that's a fair argument. But that team is so freaking good right now. And on that, that is championship caliber stuff. Like, I mean, like you can't you can't sway away from how good that was. But you can also argue if it weren't for all those spins, all those cautions, Willie B would have never gone back on the lead lap. I think that's a reasonable argument as well. Well, I mean, you were there on pit road with me. You heard how he was kind of in shock by the fact they were able to pull it off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You actually asked the question that I wanted to ask. Um, <laughs> and then, and then I realized, Oh, I'm not, I had to press the record button. So I had to press record. I had to ask my own question and press record. <laughs> There was a lot going on. Dude, there were fights going on next to me. You cannot blame me for that. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, William Byron, I think even he's, like, even he's, like, surprised, like, with how good that team is right now. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm kind of, uh, I'm really keeping my eye on it. Like, let's keep in mind, this time, at this point in time, one year ago, William Byron was on, like, I think it was an eight-race streak of not finishing in the top ten. This is this is during that time of the year where William Byron fades. He's not fading. Keep an eye on him right now. Impressive and everything, but like Joey Logano came back from two laps down at Martinsville, like a short track. And I know he he, he stayed out with like what 50 60 laps to go something like that and where I mean track position was everything in which it shouldn't be at a short track um his car was slow in that race like byron's was fast it just was way loose i know it might which is even proof more to proving my point so coming back from two laps down with a slow car i think it's just a little bit more impressive but don't get me wrong i mean what william byron did was incredible i mean it just shows just the all-around speed overall all-around performance because william byron was absolute junk at the very beginning i mean at the very beginning of practice compared to now dbc guys were, were, were talking about like this was like some jimmy johnson crazy crazy shit. And like when jimmy was car at the beginning of practice back in the day was so bad they had chad canals tw- do everything um but throw the kitchen sink at it and then he rallies for a top five and this basically was like what happened with william byron he, they did everything that they could he finished third i'm not gonna play devil's advocate here but kyle larson deserves a shout for a pretty nice comeback because he got spun on what lap five True. and he finished he almost <laughs> won the race and i think he was back in the top 10 by what the end elite like halfway through stage two so you got to give Larson some credit. It showed Hendrick just had a lot of speed there. And, you know, the ongoing Gibbs, maybe Toyota versus Chevy kind of battle we're seeing here because Ford appears to not be any sorts of involved right now. But you got to give Willie B credit. I think he's finally just putting it together. Like, we've seen these flashes of talent and and skill. And, you know, relatively speaking to a lot of other drivers, he doesn't have a lot of experience in the car. What, he started racing when he was, like, what, 14 years old, 15 years old? You know, he was high racing and it, it kind of turned into, you know, late models. He really wasn't racing at a younger age compared to 
the rest of the drivers, most of the drivers in the field. So, you know, you could argue his skill set's very new. And so his development has been been great. I think getting Rudy field goal has been great. And I think it kind of just showed like one, Hendrick is one of the teams that is the class in the field. So you have a really fast race car, but two, he is putting it together and he has the utmost confidence in his team and his ability. Because I think if he didn't have that, that that then you wouldn't see like if this was William Byron of last year, even with the same speed in the car, I don't think this happens. I, I think uh, you know, one of those wrecks goes even worse and he might be done for the day, or he just does maybe he just doesn't finish as well as he did. No, that's the reason why I chose him to pick the championship before the season started, just because he's gotten so much better and <laughs> more comfortable with Rudy on the pit box. I mean, they just seem to be like hitting their strides together. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels like, like when he was with Chad Knauss, it felt like there were some growing pains. And then, um, quote me if I'm wrong, but didn't they work together, him and Rudy? in the in the truck series with yes. with kpm okay so they, they already had a, a rapport together so they knew that, that some quirks and everything so once he jumped to the cup series they already knew they already had a rhythm and, and it's kind of like with this podcast got to get into a rhythm get into a rhythm get into a rhythm and once he got into a rhythm it's just basically it's just, it's just like clockwork um so um i i feel like it's just repetition with when you get multiple multiple races under your belt you're going to get success. And for, for them, I think, I think this is what's, uh, this is what's happening. Let's talk about the question though, that he, that John presented to us. Is this the most impressive comeback in recent history? Can you guys think of a comeback that was better than this one in most recent history? John already mentioned it when he brought it up. I, I keep thinking of the 1993 Dale Earnhardt comeback when he was, was it three laps down in the yeah. Coke 600? Yeah. Uh, in 1993 with Dale Earnhardt, I think Willie B, if I'm not mistaken, was three laps down in this one, and he still came back. And this is 400 miles, not 600 miles. He had a lot less time to do it, and he still did it. So, well, he also did not get back on the lap until like early in the final stage, too. Yeah, he he came back kind of quickly. I mean, mm-hmm. which is, I mean, I don't know. Like, and you even said it yourself. Like, he was that car was not that fast it wasn't as fast as uh kyle larson's was or the toyota's were but he still came back to get into the onto the lead lap and was even challenging for the win at one point like man i I don't know like it's kind of hard to think about a time where i've seen a driver come back from that many laps down and still actually challenge for the lead before the race was over i'll say larson's at the roval just because of the stakes of things is probably you know, and John, you touched on it. I don't know if he was laps down because it's probably, but like just the fact that you, you look at the pressure of Larson, he was the favorite going to the playoffs. He had the best season so far. And at that moment, he was out of the playoffs, like legitimately going to be eliminated before the round of eight as the number one seed, quote unquote. And to come back, get through the field and win the race. I, I and then ultimately win the championship. Like, the stakes were so much higher than this race. Like, you know, Byron's already got a win and, and, you know, like he didn't get any playoff points from finishing third, but like the, I just, just think the pressure of, Oh, he has to do this by Kyle Larson would probably just be the most, I guess, recent one. And probably the one I'd pick over this one, you know, this one was really impressive and kind of, I think legitimized Byron for the first time as a true, 
true championship contender because it felt like the last couple of years he would have this hot run and then it'd be like, well, if he can string it together, and he's kind of finally done that as you talked. Well, one thing that I do appreciate about the Roval race that you mentioned is he was not the only one dealing with issues. Alex Bowman also had electrical issues that race as well. But the difference is the 48 team couldn't get Alex back in time. But then Kyle Larson's team, he was actually able to go out and win after that. So there was that instance where the pit crews made a difference too. Yeah, I, I was just going to mention, uh, you mentioned Kyle Larson, the Roval. How about Chase Elliott at the Roval? <laughs> was it 2020 or 2021 uh, where he and then came back? I think that was 2019. Crashed mm-hmm. and still came back and won that race. And then dude did the burnout on the spotty wreck. I think it was 2020. He did, and then he did the coolest burnout in NASCAR history. You cannot debate me on this. It is true. <laughs> it is fact. Anything else is incorrect. It is the coolest burnout in NASCAR history. Kyle Larson just did a burnout across uh, almost the entire Martinsville track. I don't I care. I don't care. Chase Elliott did the uh did the are you entertained pose on a car that was still moving. The coolest burnout in history. I'm sorry. It just is. But pretty good comeback, though. I, although I don't think he went as many laps down as William Byron did. And and But then again, he also won that race. So mm-hmm. pretty good comeback there. Well, speaking of feuding uh, or, you know, Chevy drivers and, and feuds, and, you know, we, we touched on it. Now we're getting to the hot topic of the week. Uh, Mr. Hopkins uh, just set the stage for what happened really the moment post-race that, you know, everyone's talking. It is the story of the weekend. So we have Noah Gregson, right? Noah Gregson, he gets pushed around a little bit by Ross Chastain, gets put in the wall. I have to look at the replay, but Ross Chastain moves him up a little bit too far. Noah gets in the wall. Noah Gregson was having a great day in that 42 car, which is something that, that legacy motors uh legacy motor club team desperately needed and he was running as high as eighth at one point on speed that 42 car was actually running well and then he spins because of that contact or excuse me uh ross chastain moving up the racetrack and he hitting the wall cut a tire spun around practically ruined gregson's day comes but gets on pit road and then he decides to uh confront ross chastain um, then gets a little bit physical, and then Ross says, Noah, stop, stop, and be- keep in mind, these two are former teammates, by the way, uh, with colleague racing. These guys have worked together in the past, uh, and they oh, still... They weren't a colleague at the same time. Well, okay, but you know what I'm saying. Like, they, they still were on a part of that organization. They know each other very well. They work out with each other on a very common basis. That's what Ross Chastain said. Even Noah Gregson said, hey, we see each other all the time. So these guys know each other very well. And then Ross Chastain says, hey, Noah, Noah, stop it. Stop. And he's trying to explain what happened. And Noah's not having it. Ross finally right hooks him. And then we get a fight on pit road. That security guard did not allow Noah's rebuttal, his counter. Fair enough. And that's why my topic is, is Noah Gregson justified in confronting Ross Chastain that way? Because I'm going to present another question to you, gentlemen. And riddle me this. If Ross Chast take away Ross Chastain from the equation and add Martin Truex Jr., if Martin Truex Jr. had ran Noah Gregson up the racetrack like that, does Noah Gregson react the way that he did? No, not a chance. 
It's not because a chance. It's, it's who did it. And we've seen Ross piss people off. I mean, what? It started back a couple years ago with Kevin Harvick in the Xfinity series or something. And then it continued to get worse and worse and worse. And then we saw it all with Hamlin last year. And then, I mean, it, it just it continues to get worse and worse. And it does not stop. And you know what? Ross Chastain um, learned that Noah Grigson actually has some balls and actually uses his balls and decided to basically show everyone that he's not afraid to be uh, um, get. Well, he, he got his teeth knocked out. And I mean. No disrespect to him. I give him all the credit in the world because you know what? No, Chase Elliott didn't have the balls. Neither did Denny Hamlin. Denny, all Denny was going to do is just talk to him. No, was like, screw you guys. I'm going to go show my displeasure. But here's the thing that people don't, um, that don't realize. This is not the first time that they've had confrontation. Listening to DBC and then some other people have said this. They had a confrontation with each other at the airport after Talladega. I don't know what was said. I don't know if we'll ever hear what was said. But those two did discuss it. They probably did discuss it the following day with Josh Watts. So this is not the first occurrence between these two. They've had a past. They've had a history. So um, this could continue. No, it's very possible. The only thing that I find kind of sad is every time Noah gets in a fight, he's on the losing end of it. Yeah, you're not wrong. Because he lost to Harrison Burton in 2020. Daniel he, Hemrick. He missed Daniel, Daniel, Daniel Hemrick when yeah. he swung at him. He got popped in the face by somebody who's farmer strong, which you don't mess with farmers. True. Just saying. Florida man attacks man at racetrack. <laughs> I'm just saying, I just wish, you know, I wanted to see the security guard not grab his arm just to see how it would have played out. Would it have fared better than, you know, the Hemrick fight or the Burton fight? I don't know, but I would have liked to see it. Maybe they just need to, until one of the two gets on the ground, they should just let him go. Once one of the two get up, gets on the ground then they can break them up like hockey like in hockey yeah bingo yeah i've seen that debate on twitter a lot yeah absolutely uh, i think they should do hockey and let them go larry mcreynolds i think said they shouldn't i, I think yeah that this if the security guard didn't get in there because that looked like a mean right by noah coming back mm -hmm. it been interesting but dalton ultimately your question i think he is justified i mean i, I think a couple factors play into this. I think Noah expected more speed out of the, you know, Legacy Motor Club, the car, and why he made this, like, the move that he did. You look at it, Legacy Motor Club was really, a really solid team last year. Mm -hmm. they, they won last year. They won the Southern 500, which, you know, is a tough race to win and, and with Eric Jones. And so they've just not had the speed this year. They've been, you could argue, the most disappointing team in the field, uh, given their expectations. You're I'm not. I, I said you could make the argument, Brian. I'm not saying they are. I mean, but, well, look, you look at Spire. You got Corey LaJoy doing great, and then Ty Dillon stinking up the field. Both of these cars are absolutely Okay, gone. should we put our tinfoil hats on while that's happening? Because I already have. But clearly you don't <laughs> listen to the past episodes. I think we already did okay, that. Okay, that was rude and hurtful, and yes, I do. I have to listen, even though okay. I want to. That was just hurtful. Okay, can I finish my point? Again. I feel like I'm on the fast lane. <laughs> Back to what I was saying. Back to what I'm saying is I think Noah was frustrated that this was his best run of the season, arguably. Um, if you remember, I believe he was racing a colleague at Kansas last year, and he had speed and they had a mechanical problem, so he probably had a lot of confidence coming into this race, and then it all goes wrong right there. And the way those cars are, it could break the tow link really easy the way he hit the wall. Um, so it, it ruins his day. They can't get the speed back. And, you know, he spent a lot of time in a hot car on a hot day fuming about one driver, and it, it all boiled over. So do I think he's justified 
I've seen drivers go after drivers for less, I think. Um, does Ross, should have Ross maybe gave him more room? Probably. Um, am I shocked it took Noah Gregson, the rookie, to be the first one to like fight Ross Chastain? Kind of, but we are where we are. I think it was entertaining. Uh, we'll talk about kind of the day as a whole comparing you know, F1 and NASCAR, but NASCAR got everything they wanted there on social media. And it was because of this fight. So you, I was entertained by it. Um, the best interview, I mean, that Kyle Larson interview was great because you could tell him he like <laughs> looked at it, tried to finish his point and then couldn't because the fight was going on. And that was, that was awesome. And clip, I mean, they got clipboard on the hot mic laughing. So I, all, all in all, it was a fight. Um, no pit crew was involved. And the last fight I saw was a mob of people. It was the Sam Mayer, Ty Gibbs fight, and I was there for it. And I almost got trucked, and I think a NASCAR official broke his leg that day. So I, I think it was handled as well as it could. Um, I feel bad for Noah that he couldn't get that counter in, but ultimately it was a great moment. It was a fun fun little scruff. And, uh, yeah, I, I think Noah felt uh, a little justified given where the car is this season and what was going on in that race. Fights are good for NASCAR. Amen. That's all there is to it. Like, A, they're entertaining for us as fans, writers, reporters. They're also a goldmine for creating content. Because Why was the first Daytona 500 that was on national television most successful? Good point. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Nobody on the Dan Patrick show is going to be talking about NASCAR if there wasn't a fight. And that was being talked about. No one's going to be talking about NASCAR if it's not a fight on Pardon My Take. Or on Sports Center, whether we like it or not. I mean, well, that's because ESPN not- doesn't have NASCAR rights. That's why they don't talk well, about it on Sports even, Center. Even Dan Patrick. I mean, they're on Peacock, and but they never talk about it. During so a I'm- very important weekend for NASCAR, we'll get to that later, though. Oh yeah, and I mean, they had like a full discussion on would you rather go to the Kentucky Derby, NASCAR, or Formula One, and uh, one of the producers, Paulie, was like, "Well, with NASCAR, you you have weekends, and you go to the Xfinity race, and then and then Dan was like, yeah, there's a truck series race sometimes the day before, and then um, they, they were doing pros and cons, and they had like a five, ten minute discussion. I mean, none of that would have happened if you didn't get this fight. So, I mean, you're getting more mainstream media, and I mean, that's what all I listen to come Monday morning from 7 to 10, where I'm at, um, is, is DP and the guys, and for, them, for me to pop up and they hear racing, they're talking about racing instead of Nikola Jokic and the Suns owner. I mean, you had the NBA playoffs, the NHL playoffs, you had Major League Baseball, and they're talking about NASCAR for five to ten minutes. That's, that's huge for NASCAR. Well, I want to go one step further with an example because just with, even though I don't agree with a lot of the things that Ross does on the track, he's really good for the sport because I have a friend who does not care about NASCAR. He could care less. Like, he only care if the only form of motorsports he cares about is F1. Like he lives and breathes it. He knows every driver, every team, like he's obsessed with it. But I keep getting text messages from him about how Ross is a badass. He's his favorite driver. And he loves the fact that a, he slammed his car into the wall at Martinsville and B that he just like punched no in the face. Although the way the text message phrased it was, man, I'm glad that kid with the bull cut got punched. <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what Paul Papps from DP was, was saying. He's like, He's like, yeah, the guy, the, the Gregson guy, he should have just got punched for that haircut. I mean, did you see it? I mean, I mean, people are people are, are noticing whether. Hey, I would consider a bowl cut for a hundred bucks. Yeah. I mean, was it was that how much it was? A hundred dollars? 
hundred. He yeah. got a hundred dollar bill. Ah, man, I don't know if I, I think about. I think. I mean, that much. He, I mean, it's I was, not. Doesn't he, it's, Noah make like millions of dollars? That is that probably is doesn't make long. millions of dollars. He how probably makes. How long do you have to? Do you have to? How long do you have to have it? Um, well, he's yeah, it because he's no Gregson. Uh, my guess is like I could keep it for a week and be fine. Okay, and I, 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 I can get by with. All you gotta do is get by by wearing hat, hats. You just show it, like, hey, I got it. If it's, it's like two weeks, hat. like yeah, I consider it. But dude, like after two weeks, I'm I'm shaving the sides, man. Like I'm I'm done with that. <laughs> well, I usually just well with my work, I usually just go like uh like a just a shave cut, like like half an inch on the very top. So I'll just shave that oh. entire thing up after. Only when Brian Nolan joins do we talk about haircuts instead of God, <laughs> let's Samurai soldier. Speaking of Brian Nolan, my friend. What do you want to bring to the topics today? You, you want to touch on a change to the possible championship race? Well, uh, listen, uh, John was there um, with me last year in Phoenix, and, and we saw, obviously, the racing wasn't as good as we probably would like, but we saw all the, the amenities, and that racetrack just in general is, is fantastic. It's so beautiful. Just overall, the entire layout is awesome. But if we're going on, on just racing alone, Shouldn't Kansas be up there? I mean, it's it's a driver's racetrack. You can run the high side. You can run the middle. You can run the the, the bottom. There's tire uh, fallout. People that like the wrecks, there, there's a bunch of wrecks. People are spinning out all by themselves. I mean, that's what you want. It's hot. It's slick. That's what you want in a racetrack. And so, I mean, um, I, I'm just throwing it out there. If it was to move, could Kansas be in the mix for it? No. Oh. <laughs> no, it's simple. It's simple. As okay, someone, well, as the expert, as someone who lived in Kansas for a year. Oh, that's true. When When is the championship race? What month of the year? November. November. Okay. It is. It gets cold quick in November, folks, or mm -hmm. in Kansas, folks, and it gets really windy. What made that track so good is it was hot and slick. Uh, You're going to uh, have a cold, windy day in November, possibly some snow, like – that is not a, a – why did they go to Phoenix? Why was it at Homestead? Because the weather is good. The weather. I always thought that, especially now after a couple times, I think they should have never just moved it from Homestead. Homestead is the best. I think, you know, this ultimately ends to the debate of what's the best mile and a half, well, like Kansas or Homestead, and I think it's Homestead. I think Homestead should always have been the choice, and you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get really nice weather. You're at the beach in November. Like, what – come on. Like once you go to Phoenix easy. and you see the track and you see all the amenities and the layout of the facilities, you're you can you realize, oh, this is why. I mean, it's not because of the racing as much as we want the racing to be awesome. Who there. owns Phoenix? NASCAR. Who owns Homestead? Listen, I'm not trying to justify this. Couldn't I mean, they I just build whatever they want? I mean, Allow me to introduce a fourth party. Oh. Darlington. <laughs> Raceway, that would be awesome. That'd South be really Carolina, cool. in the southeast, in the winter time is warm. Darlington Raceway is a badass racetrack. We're but here's the problem: weekend, you can't move the Southern 500 from Labor Day. I don't I mean, care about the Southern 500. Make it the Goodyear <laughs> 400. I don't care. You've so already two moved races Southern... within two no, 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 no. months. You Wait, already moved the Southern 500 from Labor Day. <laughs> Labor Day. They already what? Labor Day is in September. But three right. months. I know that, but they already <laughs> moved the Southern 500. They moved it a while ago, and then now they moved it back. 
now it's now it's Labor Day weekend again. I understand that. That's fine. But if you're going to go to a racetrack that produces great racing, Darlington Raceway has not failed. Ever? There's Homestead. You're right. 100%. I I agree with Homestead. But if we're not going to go to Homestead, because NASCAR clearly does not want to go to Homestead for the championship race. But they moved it to the second last race or third to last race of the season. I agree with you. 100%. But if we're not going to go to Homestead Miami Raceway, or excuse me, Homestead Miami Speedway, let's go to Darlington. Darlington has produced great racing time in and time out over and over and over again. It's the ultimate test of a driver's skill. And if that in a drive, not only driver skill, but a team skill. And if that's what we're going to use to test the championship race, that's where it should be. Homestead Miami is a very close second. I agree with you a hundred percent. And I would much rather go there than Phoenix raceway. In fact, I would probably go rather go to about 60% of the tracks that we have rather than the Phoenix raceway. Chicago street course. You know what, man? Sure. Why not? Like, if that's what we're going to do, just literally anything with Phoenix. I, I'm so tired of going to Phoenix. And you, I agree with you on the fact that Kansas is going to be cold in the wintertime, but I'd still put that in the top five. I just don't care. Phoenix is just not produced the racing that we wanted. Last year's championship race was so freaking underwhelming. I was so upset with the way that race turned out. And the fact that one car dominated the entire race, something has got to change. And if it's got to be Kansas in the winter, so be it. If it's got to be Darlington in the winter, so be it. If it's got to be Homestead, wait, 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 wait. no, 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 I don't, no, I don't want it to be cold at Kansas. What we saw, look, me and John were in Vegas. Look what happened at the mile and a half in Vegas when it was cold. It was, it was a disaster. It was a terrible race. So I, yeah, I think it's going to be super windy. Like you, I don't care. It's going to be like twenty to thirty mile per hour winds. So you I don't would care. You would rather see an awful race at Kansas than an awful race at Phoenix. Yes. Why? I'm yes. saying Phoenix is that bad. I'm sorry, but it is. I agree. It needs to move from Phoenix. John, what are, what are your thoughts? We're just. I'm like, just saying it sure would be nice if you know there was like a track located in I don't know Southern California that was an intermediate track that had good racing that. Oh wait. Could, you know, host there a race was... in November or something. Not anymore. Huh. Moment I of silence. Not anymore. Yep. I said moment of silence, gentlemen. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. I think that's a good enough moment of silence, right? Yeah. Yes. My there personal favorite yeah. track yeah. is guy. Yeah, I'll tell Jeff. you what, though. If Honestly, they do make a the short track for Auto Club, they are going to do that. Like, Yeah. Yeah, if they, they sold that, too much like, of the land already. Man, I'm not, I don't know. Like, Maybe that would pretty good be a pretty good championship race. Like, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, be a pretty solid, like, it does kind of look pretty cool, the layout of it does. Like, it does seem like a kind of a place that would, you know, be a good place to decide a championship. I don't know. It kind of reminds me of Cars, like the movie. Kind of seems like one of those racetracks. Which they did the final in the L.A. Coliseum. Exactly. So. Nothing gets past you guys. Hey, don't disrespect one of the greatest franchises in the history of time. I don't think I ever saw the third Cars. I saw one and two, but I don't think I ever saw the third. Excuse me? Cars 2 is so underrated. I just want to point that out. Cars 2 is bad. Stop it. Oh, oh. The only parts I liked about Cars 2 was the racing parts. This isn't even, this isn't even about NASCAR anymore. This is about, this <laughs> We're is getting about. off topic. What is it? You know what? The only time we get off topic, ladies and gentlemen, is when Brian joins us for some okay, reason. Okay, this is uncalled for. I am your manager, okay? And you're Brian, have you seriously, me. 
Brian, have you seriously never watched Cars 3? No. Are you kidding? Go on Disney Plus. As soon as I don't have a open. Disney Plus account. I have Hulu. I have Peacock. Oh I have YouTube TV. Dalton, we can watch Car. We can watch Cars 3 this week. We're going to do it. Me and Matt watch it. And we're going to tweet it and we're going to tag Brian Nolan. Dalton was passed <laughs> the heck out in the other room, and me and Massey watched How I Met Your Father at the LA uh, Coliseum. But Why? Then, Great show. Because it's a fantastic show. Well, the original is the best. John, did you, did you see Cars 3? Of course. I have, dude, I have nieces and nephews. Of course, I've watched all the Cars movies multiple Boom. times. Brian, well, I have, well, I have a nephew, but he's like 20, so. I really don't want to watch it. With anyway, them. that will wrap it up for uh, the <laughs> championship race. Uh, give us your thoughts uh, at Trail LBT, at the Brian Nolan, at Pit Lane LT, at John Doobie underscore on Twitter as we go into our final topic. And of course, a head to head weekend between NASCAR and Formula One in the United States as Formula One presented the Miami Grand Prix from the Hard Rock Stadium. In a parking lot, basically, is where they did the race. And obviously, NASCAR was at Kansas. And as someone who had them both up side by side, I think Formula One delivered the spectacle, the glamour, had Mr. LL Cool J doing the intros, um, had Will I Am doing a special edition of the Formula One theme song. I mean, all the celebrities were there Roger Federer, the Williams sisters, buffed out Jeff Bezos was there. Uh, but the better racing on the track was obviously. NASCAR at Kansas, and then at the end of the day, who was drawing the most headlines? It was a right hook from Ross Chastain to Noah Gregson's face as a fight broke out. So my question to you folks, in my opinion, is NASCAR, who we've talked about on this podcast, struggling this year when it came to racing, really needed a home run this weekend. Um, you know, Formula One racing itself hasn't been good the past two years. It seems like switching the car ruined the best racing they had, which was 2021, which is a, another topic. That's for the pitch straight, if they want to talk about that. But uh, NASCAR needed a home run in terms of, you know, grabbing attention away from Formula One, because despite whatever happened in that race, they were going to get a lot of attention because of the spectacle it was. And they did. They got the fight that they need. You know, I don't want to say they wanted to have a fight because they probably don't want that. But they got the headlines they needed, and they also delivered the best race of the season, I would argue by far, and it was ultimately the home run NASCAR, I would argue, desperately needed. Oh, John, if you want to go first, go for it, buddy. No, go for it, man. I was just – I just wanted to you know, give you an amen. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I think the the pre-race that they did was spectacular. It was so great for what Formula One did. I mean, the cello and all the instruments that they entered. Um, it, it, I think it's just kind of callous or just kind of lame what they said about the pre-show with George Russell saying, we don't want to stand around for 30 minutes before we, we dive into uh, our cars. You wouldn't survive in NASCAR, my friend, because that's all we do for every single race. Um, but... I thought it was great. I mean, when you have guys like Tom Cruise and Brad Pitt and Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, you have Patrick Mahomes at Patrick Mahomes' home racetrack, and he's all the way in Miami. I mean, that kind of says something. But like I was going back to what Dan Patrick was saying, he was talking about the, the festivities. He wasn't talking about the race itself. He, when NASCAR, he was talking, he was talking about the fight. He wasn't talking about the race itself. We're still trying to get these mainstream media to talk about the race itself. We're, we're just talking about different stuff that is happening either before or after the race, not the race itself. I will say this. Formula One gets a better on-track activity, an on-track product. If they can get Ferrari or, or Mercedes or something, they will surpass NASCAR. 
because they, just they already kept the have, cars in 2021. I mean, I mean, yeah. I mean, if they they already have that fan base from Drive to Survive, because if Max Verstappen or Sergio Perez start continue or should I say continue to win, keep winning, it's going to plateau and it's going to start falling. But if you can get Lewis Hamilton or George Russell or Charles Leclerc or 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 some or some other one or hell, if you can get Fernando Alonso to win, oh my god. I mean, Taylor Swift's new boo. No, no, she's dating the nineteen, the guy from the nineteen seventy-five. Trust me, my wife is. She is what? She yeah. wasn't dating a married man who's forty years old. I know. I'm crazy. shocked. I man. know. I know. Um, but but anyway, before I was so rudely interrupted, Trey, um, uh, I I feel like if if Formula One can get a better product, I think they're going to skyrocket it rocket off of nascar because they have those personalities i mean christian horner max verstappen and sergio Perez they're on the number one sports podcast pardon my take on on this past friday they had a 30 35 minute interview with horner and about 40 to 45 minutes with max and checo i mean this this is a they get what like 40 million people listen to it per episode or something i mean i'm probably way exaggerating but i mean it's the number one podcast for a reason when was last time we saw any uh any NASCAR driver do a non-NASCAR or non-racing podcast. I mean, I, I personally... when he came back from injury. Okay, there you go. I mean, he did Pat and, McAfee. And, yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that was the only time I've seen a NASCAR driver on Pat McAfee's show. I think Joey Logano has done stuff, or a couple drivers have done stuff with the Barstool rubbing his racing podcast. But I know well, that's different. That's that's a racing podcast, though. There is one other one. I think it was maybe the end of the twenty, no, early in the twenty twenty two season. I know that Bubba was on Dax Shepard's podcast. Okay. And they I are friends with Dax and Kristen were at Bristol with, with Bubba. Yes. I don't remember so, exactly what it was. It was a very fascinating episode, but still, I mean, that was like a year ago. Exactly. And I, I, I just feel like NASCAR needs to venture out into, into other, they need to get like Denny Hamlin on to pardon my take. I mean, last time I, I somehow, I, I don't know why or somehow, but maybe in my YouTube algorithm, I saw an interview from like 2018, which Denny was it's on. It's after he won the Daytona 500. He was on okay. part of my take and he called okay. Michael Jordan. Okay. Gotcha. And the then episode. 75% like of now drivers take Adderall or something. And then he got in big trouble by NASCAR. Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, anyway, um, but we need, we need to have guys like Chase Elliott or something that go on pardon my take or, or go on like the today show or good morning America or something like that. And I mean, good example, promote the Chicago street course or something, or, I mean, that's going to be a huge event. And uh, with, I mean, Barstool's having, they're getting a new office in, um, in Chicago right before the race. And I, I've had a couple sources tell me that big cat and PFT are going to be in Chicago for the race and they're going to be at the race. So, um, I mean, what, what better way to have NASCAR drivers advertise it than to be on their show? I mean, that's a perfect way to get, to get more viewers, more people interested and to get their name out in the headlight or in the, in the, um, in the spotlight. Yeah. But NASCAR drivers don't have a Netflix show. I mean, think that's the hard part is like that, documentary series they did last year i thought it was fascinating i thought it was really well done but they put it on a channel that nobody watches unless they want to watch burn notice reruns and then they stuck it at like 10 o'clock at night or reruns too oh yeah that's true you need something on a big platform everyone has and you need it at a either a way they can binge watch it or stick it at a time when there's people who are actually awake and wanting to watch it It'll be yep. interesting to see that because NASCAR is connected to streaming services for like a mid midsummer mm-hmm. package. Could they, you know, incorporate this show with that? That'll be something to look out for. So, uh, you know, I, I kind of mentioned this. Do you think ultimately NASCAR got kind of the buzz they needed? 
going head to head with Formula One. What do you, what do you guys think about that? I equate it to what we saw in the 1979 Daytona 500 before any of us were born. <laughs> so remember Massey that, wasn't wait, though. Massey was still alive. Massey was probably still alive. But, he was like 10. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was. I'm pretty sure he was in Vietnam. Tom was 26. But, yeah, but. <laughs> There was a snowstorm during that race in the north, and a lot of people saw uh, what happened in the 1979 Daytona 500. And of course, it was uh, two uh, racers going at it, a last lap incident. And then, of course, uh, Richard Petty won, and then uh, a, a post race fight broke out. So, eerily similar to to what we saw on, on Sunday, which of course had a uh, a last lap incident and then of course a post-race fight breakout so i think what we saw was something that nascar desperately needed we finally got a good race in 2023 um during a time when uh, nascar really needed it because of course they were going head-to-head with formula one but at the same time uh we keep talking about how uh, nascar is not having a great season formula one's not really having a great season either uh red bull has won every race this year, Red Bull Racing. So here's an open letter to everyone that started watching Formula One uh, because of Drive to Survive. Guess what? This is pretty normal for Formula One. We usually don't have a bunch of rivalries between teammates. We usually don't have two, uh, three different teams going at it for a single championship. 2021 was such an awesome year for Formula One because we had Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton going at it at the end of the year. If I would, I would even probably propose that was the best year of Formula One racing ever. And I'm on board with that because I was totally, I was involved and I was watching every race and I was such a huge fan. I'm still a fan of Formula One, don't get me wrong. But this year we're seeing Red Bull dominate every race and this is pretty normal. This is what we've seen in the past. Mike, before Lewis Hamilton, it was Michael Schumacher winning every single race. Uh, excuse me, before Lewis Hamilton, it was Sebastian Vettel winning every single race. Before Sebastian Vettel, it was Michael Schumacher winning every single race. This is pretty normal, folks. We usually see a team dominate every single, every single, every race. And we're probably going to see it for, for years to come. So I think folks are seeing, hey, you know, this, this is, you know, you can make a dramatic Netflix show all you want, uh, but this is how. Formula One is, unless you are totally uh, on board with the technological advancements that Formula One has, you're not going to be too entertained by the action on the track, especially if it's going for the race win. And Trey, to answer your question, I mean, in my opinion, it's exactly what they needed because walking around the garage before the race, there was a lot of people who were asking, you know, about like people on the other side of the industry who were just like, man, does your job ever suck when you're just sitting there constantly writing about penalties, controversy, safety issues? I'm like, yeah, it's awful. Like, well, hopefully that's not the case again. And then once the race at Kansas happened, the only things we were talking about were a, the incredible racing that took place throughout the entire race. And then be the punch, nothing to do with like actual, you know, fires, concussions, other all the other stuff that we've unfortunately had to talk about for the last couple of years. Like it was that much needed breath of fresh air that just, it was a good moment for NASCAR. I completely agree. I mean, when there's so much, when it's from penalties to injuries to the car, it gets tiring after a while. So for some, so 
for us to be able to talk about something that happened on the track and that was actually good and not bad or negative in any way. Mm-hmm. It was refreshing. It really was. Well, folks, it's time for our YouTube version of it. As always, if you're listening to us on the podcast feed, make sure you subscribe to the Front Stretch YouTube page, youtube.com backslash Front Stretch. And we're going to have some fun here. It is, you know, obviously the draft was a couple of weeks ago. But, uh, you know, this weekend NASCAR is debuting their – or finished debuting their NASCAR 75 drivers list. Uh, of course, it is 25 new drivers plus the 50 existing drivers uh, set. So two names have not been announced as Joey Logano was announced today. Uh, it's pretty safe to assume that there's only two champions missing from that list. One is arguably the greatest of all time, Jimmy Johnson. The other is Matt Kenseth, and maybe because of how Matt Kenseth ended his NASCAR career with Joe Gibbs, um, maybe that's why he's going to be picked last in all of this. But uh, so we're going to have a four driver draft because obviously teams of four are, are you know, the max. So um, it's going to be snake style. Uh, uh, John Newby head on sports is with us as our special guest. He'll have the f- number one overall pick. Oh man. Followed, followed by Dalton Hopkins, then Brian Nolan, oh. and then myself having the last pick, but I get the first pick of the second round because we're going to snake it because that's the only fair way to do it. So um as I sh- I will share my screen uh, when needed, but John, uh, if everyone's got the list up, um, you can uh, fire away with the number one overall pick. I think you have some good choices. I have a ridiculous amount of choices, not even taken into account. Like, are we just automatically assuming that Jimmy's on this list and Matt? Yeah, so we're going to assume that the last two are Jimmy Johnson and Matt Kenseth. Because okay. My assumption, and I think everyone's assumption should be, they're going to have the two champions missing because obviously Jimmy's going to be on the list. And then I would assume Matt Kenseth, I would be shocked if they left Matt Kenseth off the list. Well, I mean, I would be an idiot if I did not take Jimmy because he's just like the obvious number one pick of all time because he raced in like the most competitive era and he still won seven championships. So there you have it. Jimmy Johnson, the number one overall pick by John, Mr. Dalton, you are up with the number two overall pick. There's still two seven-time champions still on the board. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and tell John that he's wrong. <laughs> um, yeah, the actual uh, number one overall pick is Dale Earnhardt Sr. There is no other number one. I'm sorry. Jimmy Johnson did win in probably what was one of the most competitive uh, times in NASCAR history, but he also won with Chad Knauss. Chad Knauss, of course, being his only crew chief, for a very vast majority of his career, uh, I would attribute, of course, Jimmy Johnson, a very talented race car driver. I'm not going to put that against him, but uh, Chad Knaus also uh, was a pretty good part of that. Dale Earnhardt had a multitude of crew chiefs, and he still was the badass that he was. Still won seven championships with multiple teams, uh, with two teams, I should say. But Dale Earnhardt, of course, was the, in my opinion, the greatest of all time, could drive any car that he needed, and he could still put up results. Dale Earnhardt is my pick. You're just saying that because he climbed out of his window and was like squeegeeing his car while it was moving. Did you do you see Jimmy Johnson doing that? I certainly don't. <laughs> Miss oh, Brian has left us. So uh, we have an on-the-clock situation. Um I can put a timer up. He's um
Brian left us for a second, so you were on the clock there. Um, My bad. Sorry, trying to get the list up and accidentally uh, clicked out of that, and so I can get the list up. My bad. My bad. Sorry. Um, Do you need me to share my screen so you can see the list, or do you have your pick? Um, I do have my pick, and it's and it's one of the greatest of all times. People loved him. A lot of people hated him. Mr. Jeff Gordon. I got Mr. Jeff Gordon. Wow, Jeff Gordon going off the board. So Richard Petty, not your choice here. You're not going with the winningest driver in the sport, and that's uh, a bold choice. Jeff Gordon, the third overall pick in this draft here. As uh, wh- why Jeff Gordon over Richard Petty? I mean, just look at his body of work. I mean, sure, he he obviously he. Hold on for one second. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. <laughs> I hate you so much, Brian's Okay, here. Dark. As you can tell, Brian is the one that's not prepared for this. Listen, okay, listen. <laughs> sorry. Four-time champion, one rookie of the year. He's got a supermodel wife. I mean, let's be honest. That also takes that also um, it has to factor into it. So, and then he's let's be. I mean, can we be honest? He's going to take over for Rick Hendrick once Rick either retires or uh, once he does retire, he's going to take it over. So, I mean, he already has um, he already has another job opportunity in the future. I mean, people people still to this day, you can ask people who's your favorite driver, and people still say Jeff Gordon and we will know that they don't watch NASCAR because of it. But I mean, he's still relevant in today's day and age. That is fair to say. Um, you make my, my pick pretty easy because I thought the seven time chance were going to be gone before I pick. Uh, I'll take, I'll take the 200 wins. I'll take the seven championships. I mean, you know, he is the athletic put him as the greatest of all time in their poll. So, I mean, I feel like if you want to go all the way back in the day, if you're an inside the NBA fan in their fantasy draft, they did a couple of years ago, Michael Jordan somehow went third and I just basically got Michael Jordan at four. Um, I'm going with Richard Petty. I get the most, the most iconic character in the sport. You could argue 200 wins, seven championships, um, his ownership part of it, you know, obviously. Uh, so I, you know, a lot of wins are disputed in the, in the part of it. I don't view Richard Petty as the goat. I am someone who is between Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt, but the value quote unquote here, it's like Jalen Carter going to the Eagles. It's too good. Uh, so I will take Richard Petty with uh, my first round selection. Moving on to the second round, um, a couple interesting choices. If I wanted to go talent, I'm looking Kyle Busch, AJ Foyt, Tony Stewart would be interesting. Um, but I think I have to go with a guy who is just, Really, really good at what he does. And that's, uh, I'm going to go Kale Yarborough as my, you know, first pick in the second round. Um, Kale's history is, you know, self-spoken. Um, but I, I'm going to go Kale Yarborough with, I guess, the fifth overall pick. Brian, your second round selection. He's three-time cup champion. Um, people um, in in Tom Bowles' generation, Michael Massey's generation, know him as a race car driver. In our generation, we know him as a broadcaster. I'm going to go with Daryl Waltrip. Daryl Waltrip. So, I'm assuming I'm next, right? Yes, Yes, you are up. Yeah, so, really surprised you guys didn't pick this guy already. Um, Probably one of the most versatile racers that we have seen. Um, And I'm not talking about Tony Stewart. Uh, I am talking about a guy who actually has more wins than Richard Petty. 
in NASCAR. And of course, I'm talking about Kyle Busch. You want to talk about pure racing talent. Kyle freaking Busch (laughs) has more than 200 wins than Richard Petty in NASCAR. He's the only one that has more than 200 wins than Richard, than more than Richard Petty. In fact, I'm really surprised that nobody picked Kyle Busch as their number one pick. But in a in an ancient time, such as uh, when Richard Petty existed, when Richard Petty was winning 200 races, you know, uh, when the sport wasn't as competitive, I feel like Kyle Busch would have absolutely dominated the sport. He's a man that has great wheel talent, much like Dale Earnhardt. He's a heck of a race car driver, and I can see Kyle Busch uh, winning a many more races in his career. He's even with a brand new team, and he's already won two races. Kyle Busch is my second pick. Man, I did not expect that. I didn't either. I thought I was going to get Kyle the second time around, so uh, I was a little shocked by that. I was, but that was a good pick, Dalton. John, uh, you get two picks. Uh, how about you give uh, your second round pick, and then I, we will uh, kind of recap the first two rounds. Perfect. I'm going with the obvious choice for me. I'm going with David Pearson. He's the only other driver with more than 100 Cup Series wins. He's got a Daytona 500, which we know is like the biggest thing in the sport. He won the 600 three times. But the most impressive part to me, going back to a conversation we had way, way earlier in the podcast, is he won at Darlington 10 freaking times. Jeez. The most difficult track in NASCAR, he conquered it over and over and over and over and over. There's not many people who can say that. He was just the man. Give me one second as I pull my screen up, making sure everything is good to go. Um, as you went with David Pearson for the number five overall pick, or uh, not number five overall pick, number eight overall <laughs> pick. I had the number five overall pick. I can't do math, ladies and gentlemen, as uh, he That's is overrated. He was... Uh, if if we want to talk about this, he was actually third in the athletic poll um, ahead of Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Gordon. So just to put in perspective of kind of the respect he had there as well. So here are our first two rounds as I share my screen here with everyone. As you can see, the number one overall pick by John went to was Jimmy Johnson. He followed that up with David Pearson in the second round. Dalton Hopkins went Dale Earnhardt Sr. and Kyle Busch. And uh, Brian went Jeff Gordon, Dale Waltrip, and myself went with Richard Petty and Kale Yarbrough. So that moves into round number three for us. And uh, John, you are back at the top of the board. Who are you taking? So I don't know if this is going to be controversial or not, but I'm just going with the upside, you know. I see the raw talent on the board. Just going to go with it. I'm going with sliced bread. Because two-time champion, 32 cup wins. He's only turning 33 this year, which makes me feel old. And the fact that he has 12 straight seasons with at least a win, he has several seasons with at least three wins. He's made the championship for every even-numbered year. He just keeps contending for wins, and he's captured, like he's won the Daytona 500 as well in 2015. And it does not matter which type of racetrack you're going to, Joey Logano has a very, very, very good chance of winning. Good pick. I think that's a great pick. Uh, you know, I, I that fourth pick is maybe where I thought Logano would go. Um, but, uh, you know, go John goes with the upside pick here. Uh, Mr. Dalton Daddy, sir, 
What a terrific <laughs> selection. Jesus Christ. Man, I agree, John. Uh, fantastic pick with Joey Logano. Um, I'm not going to lie. He was definitely on the board for me as well. But you know what? I've got a couple backups, and here's my number one backup. And he's not even a backup. He's actually my primary. So I juggled with this for a little bit uh, in the last few minutes, and I've kind of wondered if I should pick him or somebody else. But you guys are leaving one amazing wheelman on the table right now one driver that seemingly could probably do it all and that is kyle larson kyle larson has won at sports cars he's won in dirt cars and just about any dirt car you can imagine whether it be midgets whether it be in sprint cars whether it be in late models and of course he's the 2021 nascar cup series champion and he's still winning races i did an article a few weeks ago uh with four burning questions it was about uh, Kyle Larson and how far, how high can he climb? He's already, he already uh, is tied with Rusty Wallace and wins, or excuse me, actually, I'm sorry, I'm wrong. Uh, he's tied with <laughs> Jeff Burton and wins. I was way off with that. He's tied with Jeff Burton and Bobby Labonte with wins already, and he's still going strong. He's actually on track to perhaps surpass Jeff Gordon in a number of wins. He's one of the best drivers in the world right now you give him a steering wheel in any race car any kind of vehicle kyle arson will perform he's my third pick that's who i was thinking about taking man oh that was a good pick i i uh i i really like that pick brian your third round selection i'm gonna go with the guy that's won the daytona 500 three times 1999 winston cup champion the guy that i grew up cheering for mr dale jarrett respect Ooh, dale jarrett going here in the third round um that is a a three as you mentioned three-time daytona 500 champion i think that's a, a a really good pick as siri is messing me with me on my laptop right now as i'm trying to type dale jarrett out but i'll get to that in a second as it is my turn with the board and um i'm going with someone who ultimately has not won the Daytona 500, but, uh, you know, who is just like Kyle Larson in terms of you can give him anything and he can go win. He recently won at NR NHRA drag race. It's too good not to take Tony Stewart right here. Um, you know, obviously what he, he, him and Alan Quickie stand alone as the only two owner drivers to win championships uh, and Richard Petty, of course. Um, but, you know, kind of in that modern era, they were the only two to win championships. He's a three-time champion. Uh, Tony Stewart, I am, uh, I'm taking with my last pick in the third round. Best sound bites of all time, too. Yeah, I figured I need some character, more character on my team outside of Richard and Kale. I figured I'm just going all character here. Um, as I have the board here, this is a tough pick. I thought going in, uh, uh, to be honest, I was going to go with, I need a lot of money, like sponsorship. Mike O'Dell and Hart Jr. just for fun. <laughs> um i'll kill you you know what we're gonna make this a poll and i like to win so i'm going with dale and our ginger as my last pick give me you the most popular driver <laughs> he is my favorite driver i'm gonna get the most pop i like to win i like to win so oh what God. one two who was the best combination when the speedway racing was at its best who was the best combination tony stewart dale jr tony stewart and dale jr dale jr 
is uh, so you know just because of the pressure put on him is a little I would argue underrated in terms of his career. Obviously, he didn't win the championship on the Cup side, won multiple Xfinity championships. And yes, I know this is a reach, but here's the thing: if I get Dale Jr. and I'm a team owner, I'm getting tons of sponsorship, and I'm getting tons of fans and tons of money. And I have three drivers that I know can win. So I have the dream team. Lock this up. I'm going to win this. Um. Thank you very much, and uh, I bid y'all adieu as uh, Brian. What is your last selection? Just for all the people that are listening, I, I'm not going to kill Trey. I love him to death, so I just wanted to make that clear to everyone so I, I don't get knock, knock, knock Mr. FBI man's at my door tomorrow morning when I wake up, so wanted to make that clear. I'm going to go with a guy that um, may be our generation of Daryl Waltrip. People, um, th- people think of him as a driver, and then like 20 years down the road, think of him in the Fox booth. He's won uh, the Daytona 500 before won a cup championship before and he's retiring after this season had big shoes to fill i mean he took the place of dale earnhardt and he's done it fantastic i mean he's got um a great pipeline with his son potentially could go formula one racing or may stay in the states and do um nascar racing we'll see with keelan going with kevin harvick man you took one of the picks i was thinking about i was thinking kevin harvick too uh before i was like i want to win so give me dale jr You guys are leaving so, some good dudes on the table here. Well, okay, wait, time out. I know you keep saying that, but even when this is done, we're gonna leave some good dudes on this table. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. Taking, you're not taking, wrong. Uh, you're 100 percent correct. 16 out of 75 of the greatest drivers in the history of the sport. You're you're 100 percent correct. But man, y'all left one good guy, and he doesn't get talked about enough for the amount of talent that he had in the in the somewhat short amount of time that he had in in NASCAR racing. Talk about cut short before his time, before he could really perform. My fourth pick is Davey Allison. That's a good pick. Oh, brilliant. Good In in only, let me count it, one, two, three, four, five, five full-time seasons, Davey Allison had 16 wins. 16 two wins in his first uh in one in his his first win came in a season where he wasn't uh full-time his first two wins as a matter of fact and of course uh winning one race in 1993 19 wins as a whole Davey Allison was cut short before his time tragically and I can easily guarantee that man would have won a a NASCAR championship before his time ran out. Davey Allison is an amazing talent. He was an amazing talent uh, before that happened, and he is easily my fourth pick. I wish that we were able to see what he was going to be, when he was going to become before the end of his career, because Davey Allison was on the potential track to become one of the greatest of all time. I'd say I think that's a really good pick, Dalton. Uh, yeah, that's great a, value. I, very good value. I, I think we're getting some good value here. Um, you know, obviously, fans are going to vote on who's their favorite when this gets published on YouTube and where you listen to it at Front Stretch, um, uh, where you can check that out. And so, uh, John, you get to wrap up the draft. You have, you know, a lot of drivers to choose from. A lot that is going to miss the board. I mean, we could make a super team with the drivers we miss. Um, so. Uh, who are you going with with the final pick in our NASCAR 75 drivers draft? Can I look at the board just for one second? Yes, I will publish the board right now as I share my screen. Here is here's the board. Uh, as you can see, uh, you've gone with Jimmy Johnson, 
David Pearson and Joey Logano so far. Dalton has wrapped up his day with Dale Earnhardt, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and Davey Allison. Two Ds, two Ks. Uh, Jeff Gordon, Dale Waltrip, Dale Jarrett, and Kevin Harvick. For Brian and I went with Richard Petty, Kelly Darborough, Tony Stewart, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. Oh, man, man, John, I can't believe you picked Jimmy Jossnon as your first pick. Uh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's so that. good. As my typo gets exposed right there. This is so hard because there are several drivers where I was like, oh, this is this is mine. I got him locked in. And then Brian took him. Sorry, buddy. Yeah, that's just, you know, it's just how it goes, man. It's how Literally. It goes. I see but a I couple think... dudes on this list that I would pick. Man. There are a couple I thought of as well. Mm-hmm. I see. I have two highlighted. I only, I only I have one picked. that's still on the board. I honestly, I'm going to go for the ultimate redemption story. I'm going to go with good old freaking Kurt Busch because yes, he does not have as many wins as a lot of drivers on this list. He is somebody who won a championship early, turned into one of the most hated drivers in all of NASCAR. I mean, there are complete compilations of just him screaming at people, getting in arguments with Roger Penske, like like 90 minutes long on YouTube. Oh, yeah. It's it's incredible. And that's just like volume one. Exactly. Man, he was one of the most hated people for several, several years. But yet he kept putting together strong seasons, even with sometimes garbage equipment. 51 car. But then he reinvented himself. He came back and became one of the most beloved people in the sport with just like the maturity he had, the way he would go and push to make teams better. He was the last one to do the double if we're talking about multiple disciplines. Exactly. Yeah. He's made and everything he's gone six. to better, too, as well. Like, you look at what he did with, you know, Stuart Haas winning their first Daytona 500. Yep. What he's done with 2311, obviously, he, that kind of has got cut short. And look what I, he did I, with Phoenix Racing. Phoenix yeah, Racing exactly. was terrible, and he, he finished third at Sonoma with them. Furniture yeah. Row, he kind of laid the foundation for when, you know, yep. Trex made the jump over to win yeah. championships, ultimately. Same with Team Penske. He helped them get better before, you know, Brad made them a champion. And the fact that he is just pure talent alone, you can put that aside, but the fact that he went from being one of the most hated to one of the most beloved drivers of all time, to the fact that when he retired, everybody, it did not matter which part of the industry they were in, whether they liked him or not, people were tearing up by the fact that that he had to walk away from something he loved because of concussion. And it was just such an emotional moment because people knew that like he was so good with 2311 early. He probably would have had a very good chance to make the championship four in that 45 car based on pure speed. And then the pit crews getting better each week, but then that got taken away. And even with him having his career cut short because of injury, he's still one of the best, one of the most successful drivers and because I'm getting too emotional, he's also the only guy to run multiple Ricky Bobby schemes while quoting Talladega Knights in the middle of a race. Mommy. Boom. That's number one pick. That's number one pick material right there. I mean, come so, on. He had that, the cougar in the car. I, so. I respect that selection a lot, my friend John. So that will do it for our draft as we go over right here, John. You went with Jimmy Johnson, David Pearson, Joey Logano, and wrapped it up with Kurt Busch. Dalton Hopkins, you went with Dale Sr., Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, and Davey Allison. Brian went with Jeff Gordon, Dale Waltrip, Dale Jarrett, Kevin Harvick, and I went with Richard Petty, Kelly Yarbrough, 
Tony Stewart and Dale Earnhardt Jr. <laughs> Give us your thoughts on this draft. I wonder who will win. It will be me because I'm smarter than all of you because I know how fans vote. Thank I'm you so wearing much. a sundrop shirt. You and are I'm still shaking my head. You were underestimating the power of Dale Sr. Three of us did real. One of them just decided to choose what the fans wanted. Wait a minute. I went. To, I, I did get a two-time Daytona 500 champion who won four straight races at Talladega as a two-time Xfinity Series champion. And and in the athletic poll, was only ranked one spot lower than Dale Jarrett. So it's not like I went like with Stephen Wallace. Like, come on. Like, I went with a good driver. He made the list. I would have voted for Stephen Wallace, let's be honest. I mean, that All guy right. was the we have right. gone way over time. Tom is going to get mad at us because we have gone long on this podcast. <laughs> but that was a, that was a fun discussion. Uh, John, I uh, want to thank you for joining us. I uh, want to give you this time to plug uh, all your content and how can uh, listeners connect with you. Um, so grateful for you uh, for joining us, even though you're probably tired of us already. What are you talking about? I agreed to do this because of all the time I've spent with Dalton and Brian at the tracks and some of the... Let's say shenanigans we get into. True. I'm sorry with anything that Brian has done to you. Okay, that's really hurtful, but kind of true. <laughs> Unlike Dalton, he bought me dinner first. So anyway. <laughs> I'm a classy guy. I'm a gentleman. So all of my articles about NASCAR, which are including some fun interviews, I got a big story coming up looking into the background of Fox Sports and how they broadcast races and the sheer amount of like technical equipment they have to have and how hectic it is behind the scenes that is all on heavy on nascar so heavy.com slash sports slash nascar i'm personally had to get a new twitter account and it is john newbie j-o-h-n n-e-w-b-y underscore and then if you want to see random photos from racetracks on instagram i'm john h newbie that will do it for this episode of the happy hour podcast make sure you check out our our vote on youtube check out that piece as well check out all our content at front stretch at the brian nolan at pit lane lt for dalton hopkins at trey lyle vt for myself dalton and myself will be at darlington this weekend john are you gonna be there nope my next race is the coke 600 ah, i see so uh if you're a fan you uh maybe listen to the podcast and you see us at darlington give us a shout we'd love to talk to you give us your thoughts on this great race thank you so much for listening to the happy hour podcast